Fun Ideas Productions presents the Fun Ideas Podcast. We see the syphilitic shrinking obelisk. The white man's wilting dick. Of CD game show trolls, the smiling lie of the televised hive. The witches are watching with their thousand eyes. Witches are watching with their thousand eyes. We smell rotten teeth. That speak beyond belief. A stick inside their skull would bring relief. Welcome to the first episode of the second season of the Fun Ideas podcast hosted by Mark Arnold. However, I am not Mark Arnold. I am Mort Todd, and I've taken over the show for this episode. And uh, in case you don't know me, I think I was a guest on the very first episode of the first season. Uh, former editor of Cracked Magazine and uh, Monsters Attacks and worked as an editor at Marvel and among other things, you know, animate and make short films and blah, blah, blah. But we uh, are brought to you by the fine people at Lee's Comics. Hi, I'm George Takei. You know me as Helmsman Sulu on Star Trek. When I'm not busy going Warp Factor 8, I like to beam down to Lee's Comics in Mountain View and spend a lazy afternoon reading comics classics from Marvel to DC, from Dark Horse to Fantagraphics, and everything in between. So please, spend some time here at Lee's Comics and spend your hard-earned cash. <coughs> The Fun Ideas Podcast is made possible by listeners like you and from Lee's Comics of California, selling you what your mother threw out since 1982, online at leescomics.com. And uh, now I'd like to introduce the very special guest for this episode, a famous author. You know him, you love him. It's Mark Arnold. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. (laughs) Oh, jeez. Embarrassing to have it flipped around. (laughs) Yeah, I know. You're not in the interviewer chair now, buddy. But, uh, you know, uh, most people should know that Mark is the author of such excellent books as The Best of the Harveyville Fun Times, uh, The Story of Underdog Tuxedo and the Rest, which is (laughs) created and produced by Total Television Productions. I like that name, and, uh, Underdog Tuxedo. <laughs> right. And uh, a great book on the on the history of Walt Disney Productions, Frozen and Ice, among, uh, you know, a bunch of other great books about comics and comics history. And perhaps my favorite, <laughs> If You're Cracked, You're Happy, Cracked Magazine Story Part 1 and Part 2, of which I'm, I, I'm waiting until they make a movie of that, because I want to see who they cast me as in that one. It'd make a and, great movie. Uh, <laughs> Welcome to your own show, Mark. Yay! 
So I am at your beck and call. I will answer all. Uh, maybe. Uh, <laughs> right. It'd be like the uh, magic eight ball. It's like ask later. Yes. <laughs> I don't. Or like I said, I don't remember. I can't recall. I don't remember anything at all. <laughs> well, let me first ask you what what inspired a young lad in Saratoga, California. <laughs> become interested in pop culture and become an official pop culture historian <laughs> such as yourself? Well, I mean, I would be known as what they now classified as a geek, I suppose. <laughs> I never liked that term. It was always nerd or, or say, yeah. fool or idiot or something or <laughs> outcast or <laughs> social pariah or whatever. Uh, but uh, when I was a kid, there was always comic books around the house uh, and the TV was always on uh, and we'd go to movies so I was just immersed in just all forms of media that existed at that time which we're talking late si late, late 60s early 70s so it's like uh, you know you th have three networks and maybe a public television a couple independents and uh, for TV uh, I was born right at the time TV transitioned into color so I don't remember too much black and white stuff except for because we always had a color set except for like reruns of I Love Lucy and stuff like that and uh, what else um, movies you know you had to go see something in the movie if you wanted to see it if you didn't uh, it would, you'd wait for the reissue and there was no home video on, 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 cable, I mean, on the internet or yeah and then if you watched it on TV uh, nine times out of ten it was cut and it wasn't because it was cut because it was dirty it was just cut for time they just said oh you know, this movie will fit in this slot. We'll just take out these five scenes. They won't miss it until you see it next time. You go, hey, I don't remember this scene. You know, and then you find out that they recut it a different way the next time you saw it. Um, there's also the contrary when they did, like, Superman on TV and added scenes. Yeah, well, that was later. <laughs> that was when they yeah. made special events and Godfather, they did that and stuff like that. But I remember the days, they used to have this uh, movie show in San Francisco called the 330 Movie. And it was a 90-minute time slot, but that was with commercials. So you knew most movies are, you know, are 90 minutes or longer, so you knew they cut a bunch of shit out. So it's like, right. yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they would do, they had one in uh, New York, uh, I think it was at 4 o'clock, and sometimes they would cut it into two days yeah. to make it fit. Because, like, I remember, like, you know, they'd have, like, the Batman movie, and it would always be cut when right. he's running on the wharf with his bomb, you know. <laughs> now, now, it's kind of funny. One movie I thought was improved by the cut, and then I saw it later uncut, and I go, wow, this is a shitty movie, um, <laughs> was the original Casino Royale with uh, Peter Sellers, oh, Woody okay. Allen, and Orson Welles, and all that stuff, and David Niven. And right. I used to love that movie. And then I saw the full uncut version, I go, wow, this is dreadfully dull. Where's that cut version I remember as a kid? But It's better in small doses. Exactly. It have a great soundtrack. Yes, it did. Yeah, really good for background. And that's another thing. My mom, you know, and my dad to a certain extent, but they were always into music and stuff like that. And so, and they had a wide variety of tastes. I, they were. My parents are kind of square in a certain respect. Sorry, Dad. Um, but my mom's passed away. I can say anything I want. No. Um, but uh, no. Uh, but at the same time, they were always open to new sounds. So it's like. 
they would have something as square as maybe like the Funny Girl soundtrack or something like that. <laughs> and then they'd have like like when my dad got out of work in 1971, my mom bought my dad the Shaft soundtrack. Right <laughs> on. <laughs> and they had other things like uh, Ike and Tina Turner's album that had called Working Together that had uh, their version of Proud Mary, which I thought was the original version. I didn't know Creedence did that years ago. Yeah, but. no, me too. I remember hearing it on the radio first from Ike and Dina. Yeah. yeah. So. And so, yeah, I have a wide variety of interests in music and TV and uh, movies. So were your parents very enabling of your interest in funny books and other bizarre stuff like that? Yes, which is fortunate. My mom never threw anything away. In fact, my mom was the opposite. She was a pack rat. Uh, I tended to get uh, rid of things because I just said, oh, I, I'm getting too much stuff, but I still have quite a few things that I've kept as a child. Um Including all my cracked magazines and all that shit. <laughs> but anyway. Uh, well, it sounded like you had a pretty rounded uh, reading material, different genres, not specifically superheroes based on the books you put out with, you know, covering Harvey comics and, you know, and uh, stuff like that. So you weren't just limited to superheroes like most people are nowadays. Yeah. It, it, my, my interest in superheroes, it's kind of bizarre because... Um, I liked the Batman TV series with Adam West, um, and I liked, you know, what was on Saturday morning, even things like Super Friends with Wendy Marvin and Wonder Dog, um, <laughs> and, um, anything with superheroes I'd watch, but I always had it kind of in my head that superheroes should be fun, so... It's like when superheroes started getting dark and gritty, and I hate to say also in a different negative way, uh, more soap opera-ish, I started losing interest because it's like um, there was a time when I'd read X-Men and things like that in like the mid-80s, let's say, and they'd say, to be continued, and you'd have to buy 30 other titles just to find out what's happening in the storyline. And it's like, I just want to buy this one title, not every other X-Men book and Dazzler and Marvel Team-Up and Marvel 2-in-1 and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, ugh. So, that's... In the 60s, you could get a copy of Superman and it would have three complete short stories in it. Right. And, you know, nowadays, yeah, it's a... Not only do you have to buy crossover issues, but the continuity it's like if you don't know the you know like the Marvel Bible there's no way to follow anything going on in it right and and also I don't know it's like you know you always talk about people quote unquote growing up um, so I I kind of went backwards on my comic book reading. You know, people usually they start off with Harvey, with Casper and Richie Rich, and then they graduate to like Archie, and then they graduate to the superheroes. I was kind of the opposite. I went for the superheroes, and then I graduated to Archie, and then I ended up with Harvey. You know, it's like you know, it, and I well, I always like funny things. That's really the key, and. Uh, like, I would prefer, like, in the 70s, you know, like, Shazam as a title more than the straight, the regular Superman title because it was a little bit right. dry and straight. I love the artwork. I like Kurt Swan oh, yeah. and stuff like that. But, you know, it's just like, get some funny in here. And so I'd buy things like Howard the Duck, which is now right. laughable, but at the time it was really popular. And, of course, I bought all the humor magazines, Mad Crack, Crazy, whatever. And... uh 
didn't buy too many Archies and Harveys, strangely enough. I did on occasion because you know, but I didn't think they were that funny. So you know, it wasn't until later that I got into buying those like heavy duty, like every issue, and gotta have it and stuff like that. Right. Yeah, so. and, and almost like you're saying, the older the better, because you know, yeah, seems like like with Archie and a lot and Harveys and stuff that you know they got they got cornier as they got older, but the earlier stuff have have some raw fun to them. Right. And then there's this big quest at that point to get all the back issues, which I did succeed with the Harvey stuff. There's very few I, I need. Archie I kind of gave up on. Uh, and, you know, it, my collection is what it is. But, you know, it's 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 just my own interest level. It's probably because of the books I've done. Certain ones I go, oh, i got to get them all. Like, yeah. I think even when yeah, I did the crack book, I didn't have all the crack magazines yet, for example. Uh -oh. you know, I was missing a few, and now I have them all, so well, there you go. Do you get all the Fast Willie Jacksons? I do have all the Fast Willie Jacksons. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me, you're getting me like coughing. That, I just buy any comic, and I even, like, got all the Archie Christian comics, and, you know, no matter what it was. Yeah. Just get any kind of comics. <laughs> Dude, so, how did you segue from a nerdy little geek into a into a professional? Did you go to school for that? <laughs> no. <laughs> I, well, I mean, I guess I did for a certain part of it, but uh, let's stick with the comic book stuff. I mean, in the those wonderful pre-internet days, and I don't know, I'm sure you did st stuff like this. It seems like everybody, comic book nerd, has done this. You make lists of things. You know, you make lists of issues you want. You make it lists with issues with artists or writers you like, or uh, you make lists of, you know, all the Marvel titles or all the Harvey titles or whatever. And so I used to make lists of things back in the old days before you know computers you know and you know things like wikipedia that has it all listed out for you or whatever you know and yeah. or, you know and uh so all this statistical stuff i just kind of did you know i didn't think anybody else in the world did this it turns out it, a lot of people did this but you know yeah. when you're in your own world and before the internet you know you think you're the only person in the world that's interested in this and you know and it's partially correct because, you know, once I did get into, like, Harvey uh, comics where I was publishing my fanzine and stuff like that, I, you know, the people were all over the country. They weren't, like, <laughs> anywhere near me, you know? <laughs> so, so, you know, and, and just, and, like, Cracked. I thought I was the only person about Cracked. And, you know, and I always tell the story. a few others did. And I always tell the stories, like, when uh, the publisher at Bear Manor said, why don't you do a book about Cracked? Because I was bragging that I had all the issues, even though I was still missing a few, but I had all the regular issues. Um, and he says, why don't you do a book on Cracked? It was his idea. I didn't want to do it because, yeah, he had, yeah, I've told this story before, maybe not here, but, you know, it's like, uh, he, he, he says, well, you know, after the Underdog Total Television book, uh, he says, well, what do you want to do next? And I go, I don't know. And he goes, well, how about a history of Cracked Magazine? And I really said, does anyone really care? <laughs> well, I guess they did, because that book has sold a million copies. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right. No, but it actually is one of my better sellers, I will admit. Um, 
strangely enough, the 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 worst sellers of my books are the the Disney one and the Beatles one. I don't know why. No kidding. Yeah. Two of the most culture, popular cultural phenomenons in media. Yeah, history. I know. It's weird. And it, it's part of the reason I kind of stick by kind of quirky stuff as right. opposed to the mainstream stuff because it sells um, right. like people have asked me a zillion times it's like why don't you write a book on the history of mad because there's like four or five really it's good been, books uh, yeah there's exactly. yeah you, know, you get the Frank Jacobs one William Gaines and then you yeah. get the Dick DeBartolo one and then there's right. another one about the history of mad and there's another one about Kurtzman and you know it's like eh right. they no, did you it definitely got your niche yeah, and they did it, and they did it as well as I would. I mean, if there was a really awful mad book, I'd, I'd certainly write one, you know, but <laughs> I don't want to compete so your that first, your first book was uh, The Best of the Hard to Fun Times. And that yeah. Was, was that a collection from a, a newsletter you were doing? Yeah, my, I, I was probably, well, as I've said this uh, other places too, I don't know if I said it here, but it's always like what got me into fandom beyond just doing my own little lists and everything is, well, I'd buy other fanzines because, you know, you couldn't find information on an internet. You had to look in an encyclopedia or something and it was always outdated or incomplete or not even there. And uh, I was subscribing to this uh, fanzine called the Frostbite Falls Far Flung Flyer. Uh, it was about Rocky and Bullwinkle. Like it might be a J. Ward. Yes, it was. And it was about Rocky and Bullwinkle and everything and George of the Jungle and all the other stuff they did. And I, was, I, was Ward involved with that? No. Um, I think they interviewed, like, I think they interviewed him or everybody else over the years. But he used to have a store on Sunset Boulevard. Yeah, well, it, no, it, this was this was like yeah. like me publishing the Harvey thing. I wasn't working for Harvey, um, but uh, I, I contacted the guy. His name is Charles Ulrich. I don't even know if he's around anymore. But um, and I said, do you, do you make any money off of this? And he goes, No, not no, not really. But you know enough, you know, to publish it. And I go, Okay. I go, How many subscribers do you have? And I was just asking him different things. And he said, Yeah, a couple hundred, you know. And you know, I go, Where do you promote it? And he goes. Like in the comic book price guide, and you know a few other places, and uh-huh. yeah, and it's like it's not my job. I just do it on the side, and I go, hmm, right. you know. And so the wheels started. Struck a chord with you. Well, it started turning because you know, in in high school, I was into journalism. I worked on the school newspaper and the yearbook and all that stuff, and I hadn't worked in the newspapers in the real world yet, so. And the the quote that I've always said about myself is like, and I was having difficulties getting published because I'd submit articles to different magazines, and they say, "Oh, thanks, but no thanks," and you know, "We'll call you, don't call us," blah blah blah. And so, <laughs> so I said, "Well, you know, I'll, I'll be like the little red hen. I will publish myself." And uh, <laughs> once I found that out, I said, "Oh, this is pretty neat. I can write whatever I want, and uh, if nobody likes it, well, it doesn't matter because, <laughs> you know, I'm the publisher. I'm the editor and you know and whatever but uh did it, did it start out as a photocopy thing or do you actually go to a printer and stuff uh the first ones were typed on a typewriter and uh they were photocopied on my works xerox machine whoops <laughs> Uh, and I can say it now because it's 30 something years later I was working at KBHK TV at the time and uh, when, I was, when it was after hours I would photocopy copies but I only had like well, 20 that makes, sub- it, that makes it uh, cost effective yeah 
and I only had like 20 subscribers then or something like that so it's no big deal you know but as it grew and I got like 150 200 250 it's like oh crap I, I need <laughs> I can't do this at work and so I, I I did get an outside uh printer and I would I would still do things on layout boards it still wasn't high techy enough with computers to do you know page maker and all that stuff so I was still cutting and pasting and I basically cut and paste all almost to the end because it was just easier to do it that way but I did get better where I was like scanning photos and uh, you know um, doing things on you know laying it out in on the computer I just didn't use the professional you know layout programs like I probably should have but you know <laughs> it worked. It did at the. I did at the end, and in the end, it was color. But that's you know, it, I published for twenty one years, so it's like that's a long time. Great. So. And did you, you self publish the collection, or, or who put that? Yeah, that was another thing. It was like uh, so, I had paint. You know, well, once I started publishing, uh, then uh, started getting offers to write articles for other people and so I go oh this is working you know so I don't know if you remember this guy he's still around too Gary Carter and he had a magazine called Comic Book Marketplace and he he approached me in San Diego because I was peddling my uh my wares as it were huh? and uh he says hey I like your Harveyville fun times do you want to write for me and I go really and he goes, yeah, and I'll even pay you. And I go, really? <laughs> you know, so you know, so uh, that's how that kind of stuff. I remember that magazine, yeah. It was, yeah. Uh, it was like black and white magazine. Yeah, when I wrote it for it, it was color. black and white. Yeah, later it yeah. got into color too. But, you know, in the early days, yeah, yeah I was writing in the early issues. And it was still right. black and white interiors. It had color covers, so, but, yeah. Yeah, yeah they usually got some pretty good art for the covers. And, uh, I, I would recycle articles out of my Harveyville fun times and kind of <laughs> spruce them up so I didn't spend too much time. And I go, hey, this is pretty good. I didn't get paid for it when I printed it myself, but now I'm getting paid for yeah. it. <laughs> so, um, amortizing. Yes. <laughs> so I, I, I learned the uh, good skill of recycling things, <laughs> you know, which we're doing now with the Kickstarter. Hey, um, no. <laughs> anyway. How did you get involved with Bear Manor? Um, so... Uh, doing all the articles, I used to uh, bug people and say, hey, can we get this into a book? Do a book. Book, 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 book. And everybody seemed interested in a Harvey book, but uh, nobody wanted to publish one. And so, and again, it was a situation where it's like, oh, I should publish myself. And, um... Uh, that's where I said, well, if I'm going to publish myself, the easiest thing is just to recycle my own Harveyville Fun Times and just do a best of and see if I can do it. Because there is a self-publishing service called Lulu, which I think still exists, but now it's yep. better to use like CreateSpace and other things. But um, Well, actually, CreateSpace doesn't exist Oh, it doesn't? Oh, okay. The Amazon Absorb. Oh, okay. But I thought they still use the name. But yeah, the Amazon yeah. template. Yeah, they're I, Kindle books or okay. something. Okay. All right. Shows you how often I self-publish nowadays, so I'm, I'm out of the loop. But anyway, um, so I self-published that. That book sold well. 
caught the attention of Bear Manor saying, hey, why don't you write a book? And so I had recently written an article for Hogan's Alley magazine about Total Television because, you know, there was a previous time where he was saying, what do you want to write about? And I go, I always wanted to know what happened to the company that made Underdog and Tennessee Tuxedo because yeah. they just kind of were making cartoons in the 60s and then suddenly, poof, gone. And you know a lot and about Jay Ward. like Linus the Lionhearted and all the No, that was a different one. That was yet another company. You know, there's all these, I mean... It like the similar style. Well, now, I, now that I know this, I mean, it's like after I've done the recent Chipmunks book, you obviously know UPA, right? Oh, yeah, uh, Gerald McBoing Boing and uh, and Mr. McGoo and all that stuff. Everybody. Yeah, yeah. So when that kind of ended, um, all these little small studios sprang up. All most of them in L.A. and uh, one of them was called like Pantomime Pictures, and one was called uh, I can't even think of all the names. Jay Ward was one of them, and right. uh, they all had their little niche, and they all did a little different thing. And so one of them did Linus, and one of them did the Alvin Show, and that was format films. And one of them did uh, you know and then there was Rocky and Bullwinkle, and then. Uh, one of them did Calvin and the Colonel, and you know they all had that kind of similar UPA type look. Right. And about the only one that well, did for, pe- for people that don't know, yeah, it's basically like UPA was the first animation company to streamline the co- uh, animated cartoons and make them economical, as opposed right. to you know like the, the lush uh, Warner Brothers or Disney cartoons. So it allowed companies like Hanna Barbera and the ones you mentioned to be able to do them cheap enough for TV and stuff. Right. And the only one that kind of looked different stylistically, but they did the same limited animation, was like Hanna-Barbera. But th- that was because they had that kind of MGM background with Tom and Jerry and everything. So they, right. they, you know, they just made simpler versions of Tom and Jerry by making Rough and Ready, and then later Yogi Bear and right. blah blah blah, Flintstones, whatever. Yeah. Um, where am I going with this? Uh, so anyway, uh, Total Television was one of those, yeah. but they were based out of New York, which I didn't know as a kid. But, oh yeah, yeah, me neither. And uh, you know, I, I got the whole scoop and the story, and they're very, they're separate but equal, I guess is the way to say with Jay Ward. I mean, they shared the same animation studio, but it was down in Mexico called Gama. And, uh, but one was on the West Coast, that was Jay Ward, and one was on the East Coast, and that was uh, um, King Leonardo. And they really didn't overlap too much, except for the animation studio, and maybe a couple writers. But that's about it. And, uh, but on TV... You know, sometimes they put Commander McBrag on a Rocky and Bullwinkle show, and then they'd sometimes put Bullwinkle's Corner on Underdog and whatever, and you'd get it all mixed up. Fairy tales. Yeah, exactly. So, anyway, between my book and this other book Keith Scott wrote about Rocky and Bullwinkle, we kind of covered all of it to so now you know who knows what and everything. So, (laughs) so. And so, what was your what kind of public reaction did you have with your cracked book when it came out? Was it that people, did people care? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, you know, and, uh, you know, they cared about Underdog, then I did the uh, cracked book, and it's like, uh, the weird part about that one is by that point, 
internet was pretty much established kind of the way it is now. And so you could just go on Facebook and just say, hey, does anybody really care if I do a crack book? And did you work there? Or do you know somebody who worked there? Help! You know, and that's really what I put out there. I just put a message like that. And then, I don't know if you contacted me directly or through someone else, but I mean, it's like, that's how I met you, and then you... Yeah, I don't remember either, but it was probably through MySpace. Um... (laughs) I don't know if it... Because I think... Yeah, well, it might have, no, it was kind of the transition time. Was, you know, I know I was on MySpace with the Underdog book because that was a couple of years earlier. But uh, I think no, I was I wasn't on Facebook. I was yeah. very tardy on getting on Facebook. Yeah. I don't think I got on Facebook. Yeah. your book was out. But I might have gotten you through email because I was still doing email blasts and stuff, but I don't know. Right. It, it's not that important. It's just the, the fact that I did attract everyone, and I even attracted yeah, some, yeah. some of the biggies, like Dan Close and stuff like that. And, you know, um, and, you know some of them, like, like him, were kind of suspicious. <laughs> you know, they're saying, why are you doing a book on crack? Yeah, <laughs> you know, and uh, you know, once I explain, well, this is yeah. why. Oh, okay, all right. You want to be interviewed? Sure, I'll talk to you. You know, it's like, and then it got easier. Um, right. You were a good interview. You got me a lot of information. Um, I interviewed Michalina Severin because she says, "Oh, I remember everything." John doesn't remember anything, so it's like, <laughs> and it kind of bummed me out. But at we the same it. time, yeah. it's like I really wanted the real story. And uh, she said at the time, she goes, well, John could talk to you, but I remember it better. And he's busy working on a new Batlash comic. Yeah, Yeah. he's he's like, she wants him to just sit at that table and keep working. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, I mean, I obviously talked with John for, you know, thousands of hours on the phone. But I had the excuse of, you know, I was sending him paycheck, so she let me talk to him. Right. And if if I pushed the issue, I probably could have, but uh, I've never yeah. been that way because I right. want the information, and that's the real, you know, that's right. the journalist oh, in and, me. And she and she she delivered too, right? Yeah, and that's the journalist in me because it's like you know, it's right. like people say, "Oh, you didn't talk to John Severin. Oh, aren't you upset?" And I go, mm-hmm. "Well, no, because I got the information I wanted to get." You know, it's like, right. and it wasn't like twelfth uh, generation. It was the lady that was there exactly. the whole time over her shoulder. Yeah. Yeah, so. And I, I think I even said this in your book, but I've always respected and envied artists that have their wives that can handle all their work for them because, you know, it allows, uh, frees up the artist to yeah. be creative. And the wife's like, you know, can call the, the print, the publishing company and go, where's that damn check? And, st- and you know, yeah. weed out all the freaks calling <laughs> and stuff. Talk to her. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And, you know, the only thing looking back on it, I mean, I, I, I got some really good interviews, and some of them I'm like, I'm glad I got that before they are gone. Like, of course, John and Michalina yeah. are both gone now. And yeah. I got I got Paul Lakin, and I thought Paul Lakin was dead already. <laughs> and I even told him so. And he goes, well, no, I'm still around, you know, but he did die a few years later. So, um uh, some I just kind of regret that I didn't do longer conversations, but you know right. I was respectful. Like I talked to Jack Davis, and he basically uh-huh. said, you know, that he didn't like working for Cracked. He thought the pay was horrible, but you know he had to do it because he was kind of between 
his sure. big gigs. I mean, he wasn't at EC yeah. anymore, or Mad, you know, and then uh, and he hadn't come back to Mad, and he wasn't really doing the RCA albums or anything else right. or TV guides. So well, they, they wouldn't let him come back. To yeah, that. so he needed he work, you know, him. and so that's why he did yeah. Cracked, you know, and it's like, yeah. uh, I, you and know, I've mentioned this in the book. One of the first millionaire cartoons. Right. Before. So you know, yeah, certain way it it helped him that you know he didn't yeah. you know get to come back, you know that oh right. you know he got to be world-renowned on Time Magazine and everything else, you know, it's like... Sure. But, yeah, I look at back then in the, uh, like, early 60s when uh, Davis was doing stuff for Crack, you know, and sometimes he was doing an awful lot of pages per issue, but I, I also see that he was doing tons of stuff for, for, well, right before Marvel, when it was after Atlas, he was doing tons of Western, he was doing Dell comics, yeah. and that's just it, Ma- magazine sick like whatever he could do yes. it was like you know so he was he's great crank and he and Severin both were were doing like a hundred pages a month at least yeah you know which is more than a page a day of, of their finished you know beautiful penciled and inked artwork you know? yeah I, I don't like know how they did it but I mean and yeah. I always say that the 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 I don't know which issue. I think it's 14 that has the most Davis artwork. Yeah. Uh, but it's definitely issue 26 that has the most Severin. He does everything except for the subscription ad, which I think is Bill Ward, and uh, I think the contents page or something. Something. <laughs> but he does everything else in the entire yeah. book. And he, he does different styles and signs it different ways. So he's a Le Pleur, uh one on one page. He would say that he would do that on purpose obviously in different mediums different styles and different pen names like yeah. Lepore and stuff like that so it, you know so it wouldn't be boring to the reader like it like anyone thought that you know yeah. <laughs> right but yeah you could do great Bigfoot style you know like animated style or you know obviously serious stuff beautiful paintings lush you know gouache paintings in mm-hmm. black and white and so he would mix it up a lot and it's really great stuff <laughs> well, this is a good segue to talk about our latest co-venture. Okay. <laughs> uh, we are doing a, a Kickstarter that is running until the first week of August. Well, this is the first week of, I guess, another five or six days. Yeah. And uh, it is based on Cracked. Yes. And uh, it's two c- compilations of the work. One's the comedy of John Severin, which covers... Uh, his first 10 years of crack from the 50s and 60s and the other is the comedy of Jack Davis which uh, features all of Davis's art from uh, from crack in the 50s and 60s which is about 100 pages and stuff and uh, yeah so we've got that going on Kickstarter right now if you look up the comedy of John Severn and Jack Davis you'll find it and we also have cool stuff like t-shirts and prints and postcards and <laughs> Yeah. And uh, stuff like that. Stickers. We're going to announce the stretch goal tomorrow. Stickers. Yeah. And so. I, I I wrote down some statistics because that's what I do. I'm a comic book nerd. But <laughs> right before the show here, uh, presently at three thousand six hundred sixty-nine, we wanted at least fifteen hundred dollars. So we meet the goal by. Two hundred forty-four percent, but Damn. but we want to keep going. So yeah, we have seventy-four seventy-four backers. Thank you very much. But how about a how about a hundred? We got six more days. So anyway, that's right? that's my little telethon drive. Timpani, come yeah, on. Well, <laughs> I'll do my part and, and uh, hype it up some more on the interwebs. 
and uh, but yeah, I really enjoyed your introduction to the Severn book. It was very, very, very nice. Well, thank and you. <laughs> informative. Yeah. And uh, the Davis book has a introduction by Bahal Stewart. Bob. <laughs> yeah. Actually, did he go? Did he just call it Bob with a silent H, or did he actually go by yeah, Bob? Yeah. Okay. No, I never yeah, met yeah. the man, you know, and I, I sad to say, but I knew about him, and yeah. uh, you know, no, he's a super sweetheart. He uh, he's like doing experimental films in the '60s and won awards for that, mm-hmm. and as well as you know, being in, in, instrumental in comic fandom. And, right. Uh, you know, and I guess Fanographics recently put out a two-volume book about Bollywood that he did. Mm-hmm. Really nice stuff. Hollywood's an artist, in case that people out there yeah. don't know. And I, bad artist. I do, I do know that Bob put the H in there because Bob Stewart's kind of a John Smith or a Mark Arnold type yeah. of name, you know, pretty plain. Exactly. So you know, he he put the yeah. H to be a little different, I guess. So. Yeah, like Scott Shaw with an exclamation point. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> because I think there was a radio DJ called Scott Shaw, so uh, you know, but. But my, anyway, but you know, yeah. Uh, so, is that the end of the plug, or more? more pl- what am I working on next? Oh, we're jumping yeah. ahead. Okay. Uh, you, well, well, what did you say? Well, I want to say more about the, the uh, crack Kickstarter. Um, uh, just pledge, pledge, pledge. Now, do you have the <laughs> the URL? Yeah, can you reveal that? I mean, because I know it says tiny URL on it. I don't know the whole thing. Or you just said yeah, look up Kickstarter. Yeah, I think you can just search it, or let me see if, because yeah, yeah normally they got a short URL, and yeah. I made up one, but yeah. you could go like, well, I will say this. When I'm looking it up, this will help people. If you type in, once you get to kickstarter.com, just type Jack Davis, and it'll pull it right up. There's like one other Jack Davis Kickstarter, which is long expired. And uh, so, and this or, or is... Or John Severin. Yeah, type John Severin. Jack. Comedy or something. Actually, the actual address is triple dub. Kickstarter.com <laughs> slash projects slash comedy books slash the dash comedy dash art dash of dash John dash Severn dash and dash Jack dash <laughs> Davis. Or just so do what I go. said. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Now <laughs> search. Actually, you know, you know, if you go to Kickstarter and go to the comics projects. Yeah. You're able to uh, sort them by end date, yeah. and since there's only five days to go, it will be pretty much there on the top. Yeah, I will say I, I will say this: if you're a cheapskate and you don't want to pledge, <laughs> and I won't name names, I, I just give a big sigh. Um, there's a couple of pretty cool videos that you edited together, including me with some outtakes that are kind of funny. Some people didn't get that; they go. Why did Mort put where you're stuttering and stammering and everything? Yeah, because I told I him it to. was endearing. Because <laughs> <laughs> I can't speak. <laughs> yeah, it was like uh, you know, six o'clock, you know, blooper show. Yeah. <laughs> 
classic. Because you pay attention more when it happens. You go, hey, he made a mistake. You know, because if I just sit there, well, this is where you buy the Jack Davis book and the John Severin book, <laughs> you'd be all snore, snore. This must be boring. Right. i got to put something kind of lively. But, you know, and then the other one has that lively music. I forgot where you got it, but, you know, it, it, it's kind of like and, Austin uh, Powers Light or something, you know? Well, yeah, I mean, that, that actually did remind me of Casino Royale. Now, yeah, now yeah. you mention it, you know? <laughs> but it's the same vintage. It's all from the 60s, so why not, you know? Right. Um, so, yeah, that's that's the plug. Um, uh, I will say here, you know, it'd be, even before this one's ended, it would be cool to do another Kickstarter. I don't know when or what yeah. or how or, you know. Right. Bill Ward. Well, do you want a Bill Ward or something, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Well, I did a, uh, a Ward collection of pinups in 1990 that I shot from original art, and I'm thinking of reissuing that. And I've been talking with this guy who owns like 150 originals about yeah. maybe doing a second volume too. I had a second volume plan that was uh, ready to go, but it just, you know, yeah. at the time just didn't make enough money. But I had like a Russ Meyer interview to mm. work with Bill. And, That's cool. So. Yeah. And then, you know, people. Well, yeah, yeah. I was thinking of, yeah, we could do a ward collection for Cracked or, uh, yeah. you know, it might be better. It might be nice to do a medley of. You know some of the other artists like uh, Portfolio, you know the other well-known artists. well, there's not, admittedly, there's not enough to do a book on certain ones. Like, you could do, like, a <laughs> Bill Alder book, and it'd be, like, ten pages, I think. <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, might be more. But, yeah. And then, you know, but if you did Elder, Manili, whatever, you know, it's, like, all well, the different... yeah, you had that idea of doing that Jaffe, you know. collection. Yeah, I, I like your Red called. collection. Redo yeah, that. Yeah, I should probably do that, because it had all the mad artists before yeah. they were at mad or after they were at mad. Right. And then there's yeah. some some people have suggested doing a Don Martin collection, but that gets into issues with. Us. Well, yeah, but, I've had dealings with his wife about it, and but, so far nothing has happened. But, yeah, but I'm going to send her copies of these books, and maybe yeah. she'll change her mind. And if she's willing to do it, I'm willing to help. So yeah. <laughs> there you go. We'll leave it at that. <laughs> so yeah. next question. <laughs> no, just kidding. Okay. <laughs> Well, what what are you working on next? Uh, let's see. What am I working on next? Because it's kind of weird. A few years ago, I had like four or five projects going all at once, and I was saying I can't take on anything else. <laughs> and then this Kickstarter thing happened. And I go, well, I guess I can, but this is a little bit different animal. But uh, for the longest time, I was working on these four projects. It was a book on the Alvin Show and Alvin and the Chipmunks, uh, which finally came out earlier this year. Um, the last book before that I is a what, co- what's that title? Yeah, it's called Alvin. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Did you actually talk to the Baghdad Gasserians or I tried. I tried. I wrote letters. Yeah. I sent emails. I talked to their secretary on the phone. Uh, no oh. response. So I said, I'm doing my book anyway. <laughs> you know, and it's like yeah. if they come come out a suing, I said, well, let's see what we can work out. I'll interview you now. Right. Hey, you know, let's make a new book. That's better. I don't know, but. So far, crossing fingers, knock on wood, everything else, uh, they've left me alone. My book has been doing well, and uh, it's, you know, it's a labor of love. It's a tribute. I don't say anything bad about them. You know, I, I do know, I do know, I'll say something a little bit off color here, is like, 
Yeah, they've been very litigious in the past, you know, and they're very protective about those properties. I get it, you know, but at the same time, a book needed to come out, and Ross Jr. promised one 20 years ago, and it's still not out. Um, My family did pretty well for a novelty hit song. Yeah, yeah. And uh, a media powerhouse. They've known. happened with purple people here. And they've known how to reinvent it ten times. I mean, there's some people, most, many people that are like, oh, the Alvin Show version is the only good version, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, but, I mean, you have to go and update things sometimes. I get it, you know. And for the purists out there who don't like the later incarnations, don't buy the records. Don't see the movies. Right. Don't. Uh, yeah, did you did you cover this, those CGI movies? I did, but very in one chapter, I just covered right. everything that because yeah. it was really about Ross Senior and his mm-hmm. musical career. I talk about Liberty Records. I talk about format oh, films. Great. So I cover that. So it really kind of ends with the death of Ross Senior, and then it just kind of one more chapter saying what happened next. You know, right? Yeah, you know. But I kind of I kind of did that on the crack book too. I do it on all of them. I mean, it's like the right. crack books were about the magazine they weren't about the website and uh so i kind of put a little page in the back yeah now it's a website big deal you know it's like i I didn't really want to acknowledge that because it wasn't really what i was talking about it's you know just something with the name crack slapped on it that's how i feel about it and you know it's kind of nice i guess that they keep the name out there but you know with these they have their own podcasts and stuff like that but it just Kind of like eh. <laughs> you know, when you know they're not talking about the magazines and and sure. never will. No, and they totally disown the, the the fact that they were ever a magazine. Yeah. Comics. So I don't get it. But anyway, uh, back to your question. What am I working on? So I have, um, I I did a monkey's book, which ha- it's called Long Title, and it ha- it really does have a long title. So I just call it the monkey's book with long title in the right. front. Uh, my co-author. Do you actually examine the monkey song? I one do by one by one, one. <laughs> with a co-author person named Michael A. Ventrella. He's a very good guy. Um, he lives in. But what does Randy Scouse get? Really <laughs> it is Liverpudlian <laughs> slang for uh, basically a stupid, well, fu- I know what Randy stupid is. fucking dick. Okay, I'll be blunt. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and over here, it was like it just came out as Randy Scouse Git. Over there, they go, you can't call it that, and so right. they called it alternate title, which was really bizarre. <laughs> you know, yeah. So, but hey, <laughs> those Brits. <laughs> Um, but uh, that book was wildly successful. I hate to say it oh, had a second God. life when a uh, certain Mr. Tork passed away earlier this year. Cry, cry, cry. Uh, yeah. And uh, so anyway, the... the, the Did bear- you have any involvement from the existing monkeys at the time with the book? Um, either time, just peripherally. <laughs> Meaning yeah. we have both met, I've met all four of them on separate occasions and yeah. seen the com- various combinations of three at various right. occasions and two even in recent times. Uh, and then Michael has seen probably the same amount just in different configurations over the years, but we've never really, and we've tried uh, to get like a sit down interview and stuff like that. So, um, Any insight from Boyce and Hartnett? 
Um, didn't get them, but you know, the the cool thing about the original book is we did interview other people that were either fans of the monkeys or worked with them or something like that. So, like Howard Kalin of the Turtles does the foreword in that book, and uh, uh, Peter Noon of Herman's Hermits he he did an interview with oh, me. Uh, I interviewed Butch Patrick, who was in a monkeys episode, and he was Herman or Eddie Munster. <laughs> I said Herman, yeah. but I meant Eddie, and. Uh, <laughs> A few other people. I got a, David Peel before he passed away, street musician in New York, the new John Lennon. Oh, sure, yeah. And uh, all the time in Tompkins Square Park. Yeah. <laughs> and we got a, quite a few people like that. Uh, I got the guy who did instrumental music uh, for the Monkey Show. Was, uh, his name escapes me off the top of my head. Whoops, sorry. Um, <laughs> but, you know, and so there's little tidbits besides just two uh, wankers sitting there uh, crabbing about how good Daydream Believer is or is. <laughs> So, um, because some people have anything some people criticize it. They go, oh, what qualifies them to say anything about the monkeys? Uh, well, I don't know what qualifies any critic to be a critic. I mean, it's like yeah, if, sure. if if I need qualifications, you know, I know how to write music. I've played piano for 10 years, and I did get a music theory history, and I'm just a big fan of music and TV and pop culture in general. I don't know if that qualifies me or not. I didn't get a degree in it, but, you know, it's like... <laughs> and, uh, do, you remember, do you remember the Monkees parody we did at Crack? Yes, I did. I loved that at the time because I was already a Monkees fan. I became right. a Monkees fan, and it says so in the book, in the 80s. I, and it was before they be- came back. I didn't think they would come back. I just, uh, I just suddenly became a fan because I said, "Wow, this music's pretty good." Because as a kid, and people always cringe when I say this, I hated the TV show. I thought it was horrible. Really? <laughs> and I was watching it on Saturday morning reruns, and and I think a lot of it had to do is I liked cartoons better than live action shows yeah, uh-huh. in general. And so you'd be watching, and it'd be like all these great cartoons, and then you get to like eleven o'clock or noon or whatever, and switch to the monkeys, and I go. Who are these guys? And, the and, cartoons and, and, are over. And and, and my impression, and I was a kid, and I was just like, they think they're so funny, you know. It's like they're not. You know? <laughs> <laughs> what's your What's your opinion of Head? Oh, I love that movie. And in fact, that it's was fantastic. what kind of that is what turned me around on liking uh-huh. because. The order of it was this: is like, uh, so I didn't like the show, so I didn't care for them. I liked the theme song, but that was about it. And then I started noticing Michael Nesmith because he started putting out some interesting albums. And I said, okay, so he has some talent, but it wasn't in the monkeys. It was one of these separate. These are my unsolicited, uninformed opinions, you know. <laughs> and then he did elephant parts, and I thought that was like the funniest thing in the yeah. world. And I said, this is a zillion times funnier than anything on the monkeys. So he's the he's the brains of the outfit. The rest of them, eh. you know. And then he did television parts and da 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 da. And you know, so I was a big Nesmith fan. Um, yeah, he was a very early video music innovator. As well, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But, you know, I was at some bookstore one day and they had more of the monkeys in the quarter bin, you know, of a record at the record store or whatever. And so I said, eh, I'll take a risk for a quarter, you know. And I started playing it. And some of the songs, like I'm a Believer, I knew. And I say, oh, that's pretty good. And then other songs, like She and stuff like that, I don't think I'd heard before. But I said, oh, okay. this is really good, you know. And yeah. it's like, 
okay, I want more of this stuff. So I became a fan of the music. But I said, eh, that stupid TV show, eh, I can't watch that. And then Head came out on video sometime in the late 80s. But I'd already seen the monkeys in concert by that point. And then I saw the movie and I said, wow, this is great. And so then I said, well, let me look at those TV shows again. And... I didn't cringe as much, but I still was like, I like the movie better. <laughs> but now, since when I did the book, I actually rewatched all the TV shows in order, and um, I realized that had the TV show continued for a third season, it probably <laughs> would have ended up like Head anyway. <laughs> because if you, I, I don't if, know if Jack Nicholson would have worked on. This. If you, yeah, but if you, you watch the last few episodes of the second season, they're yeah, heading they that were, direction. Yeah. They're going that direction. Yeah, they were getting to a point where it was totally like, yeah, you know, we're going to do whatever we want. Yeah. yeah, because the first season is almost standard sitcom. I mean, they have yeah. little you know, little visual gags and you know other stuff, but it's very formal. It's like the landlords wanting the rent. Uh, right. They have or the little spy or, they have the little yeah. dummy sitting there saying some things, or Rosemarie right, right. will come by and say something. You know, it's like, but it's very right. streamlined and formal, and this is how you do it. Very by the second formula, season, yeah. by the second season, then they started doing the bit where. You know, even on the opening titles where uh, they confuse the names around, you know, they all think they're yeah. Peter, and then finally Peter gets his due at the end. And, he, and he's happy. Yes. And I go, wow, that's brilliant, you know, because it's like if you don't know these people, it's like, what the fuck are their names? Who, who is this? You know? And they didn't care. And I, I don't know if the laugh track went away, but they, they did, like, episodes near the end, like the fairy tale one and the very last episode, which is Mija Koji or however you pronounce it, where Mickey directed it about a TV that uh, hypnotizes people. You oh, know. yeah. You know, it's like, these are really bizarre concepts, and yeah. they're like straight out of what would have become Head had they made a longer episode that was not just 30 minutes or whatever, you know. Right. Um, because, you know, there's scenes in Head that you could say, oh, that could have been, a, like the scene with Davey and Tony Basil dancing around, that could have been on a wow. TV show. It's still yeah. more fanciful than what they did on the TV show most of the time, but yeah. it's it's this pretty straightforward monkeys type thing, Which, but, you know, as part of the movie, it's excellent, because the the songs in there are probably the best they ever did. Yeah, yeah that, that one with Tony Basil is a really good song, too, about yeah. About his dad. And that's by one of my favorite artists of all time, Harry Nielsen, so we have to give him credit. Oh, right, yeah. <laughs> and um, I saw Head last November in person in the theater at the Egyptian Theater in Hollywood. And Great. Mickey and Mike showed up. Peter hadn't passed away yet, but, you know, it's like he was not there. And Mickey and Mike, and Mike had just had an open-heart surgery, and he was in excellent wow. spirits. And uh, I think you can see it on YouTube if you look it up. So it's a, And Mickey was a little bit tipsy, but it, it worked. You know? <laughs> <laughs> or at least he sounded that way. He might not have had a drink. <laughs> wink, wink, nudge, nudge. But yeah. Yeah, he sounded like he had imbibed for a little bit, you know, because... Oh, he had quite the career too, Mickey. From yes, from so that boy on. <laughs> that long-winded answer is the monkeys book yeah. did, did well. So we were asked by Bear Manor to do a sequel, and it's like, how do you do a sequel on this? And it's like, well, you cover yeah. cover their solo careers, 
and so we are and we did and it's like at first it was like how is this working and so it's almost done it might come out this year probably come out next year scott shaw's doing a cover again and uh yeah and we're trying to we're trying to uh we're still like doing the final touches of getting like uh you know, quotes from other people and forwards and all that other good stuff. Right. So you must be covering that if you're doing the solo stuff. Yeah. There, the stuff Davey did with Voice and Heart. Yep. Was it was it Dolan's and, and yeah, Dolan's Jones Voice and Heart, which we do cover right. in the first book too, because it kind of kind of is a monkey's reunion kind of kind yeah, of yeah. you know <laughs> um sort but because yeah the guys behind the curtain plus the real monkey right the real monkey and, <laughs> and we didn't know at the time we were going to do this sequel book so at the time we said well if we're going to cover it we should cover it here because that's kind of a reunion even because they even called it the golden hits the monkeys even though it was a dolan's joyce <laughs> Dol- dolan's jones voice and heart uh tour which is really kind of weird you know but you know yeah um, they knew where their bread was buttered, so they, they had to put the monkey's sure. name on there somewhere. So, yeah. Um, no, but yeah, I cover all the obscure. We cover all the obscure solo releases and stuff like that, and uh, cover other things that they've done. Like Mickey had a great directing career for a number of years in England, you know, right. and uh, he did a lot of voiceovers for Hanna Barbera right. in the seventies. So I even right. we even yeah. talk about Circus What's Boy, Pebbles and Bam Bam. Uh, that was one he didn't do. Um, he was uh, in Funky Phantom, and he was in uh, De- oh, yeah. Devlin, and he was in uh, what was this? Captain Caveman of all things. Uh, and did you, did you bring up the fact he was almost the Fawns? Yes. <laughs> and uh, that would that would have changed world history. I'd yeah, I mean, I, tr- I I had to go through all the monkeys stuff I had and scour the internet and everything like that to find <laughs> like little bits and pieces. Fortunately, I was a longtime subscriber to Monkey Business Fanzine, and you know they had the most. M- Oh yeah, it, it was like TMI minutia. You know, it's like you know, it's like uh, you know, Davy Jones took a piss today when he rode his horse. You know, it's like okay, I guess so. You know, it's like he broke his collarbone looking at you know, you know, whatever. And it's like okay, but you know, it's it, it's kind of interesting when you look at it the way I did. It's like you know, it, over the years they said never again. Like Davy Jones said, never again in 1991. Well, I work with Mickey yeah. Dolan's ever again. You know, and then. Five years later, they're touring again, you know, and they say, I have these aspirations to do this, that, and the other. And then, you know, oh, the monkeys are calling again? Okay, I'm dropping all those plans of doing the monkeys again, you know, and I, it's like. I'm pretty sure he won't be doing it anymore. Right, right. But, you know, it's like, and then Nesmith was like, oh, I don't want to be around the rest of them. I'm rich. I got liquid paper money. But now. He doesn't mind touring, you know? It's like, okay, right. you know? Well, it's sort of like, you know, Adam West or, or you know, um, uh, Ginger on, on, you know, Gilligan's Island, where it's like, I am never going to be associated that, with that again. But then they get a little older and they're like, they're cool about it. Yeah, yeah. They, they realize that, you know, they, re- they made a difference. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but it's always kind of too late sometimes. It's like, I know Nesmith got some flack because, oh, I think I'll tour now with the monkeys, you know, six months after Davey passed away. It's like, hmm, you know. Where you? Yeah, it's like, where were you the last 15 years? You could have toured with him or whatever, you know. Okay. 
but do you also cover the that uh, classic recreation of the monkeys the tv series they did in the 80s well the new monkeys yeah. <laughs> I mentioned it, but I mean, actually, you know that's going to start happening. It's like, since there's only two yeah. original monkeys left, there's going to be new monkeys reunion tour, and they'll start putting out more records yeah. than they did in the 80s. I don't know. <laughs> the monkeys, the next generation. <laughs> well, yeah, that was our excuse to do a monkeys parody at Crackers, because that crummy new TV show. It's like, because, you know, I mean, I, I do parodies of old TV shows, but, yeah. you know. I, I couldn't really get away with doing a monkey's parody except they had that stupid new show so I was like yeah. perfect <laughs> <laughs> although I guess it wasn't cracked but you, you they started doing it at mad you know they started parodying older things even in the most current issue they finally did a parody of Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory so the Gene Wilder one yes yeah, yeah. And what they do is they parallel it with Trump because they always have to do Trump and everything. Oh. Yeah, but it's it's actually kind of interesting if you get the new issue. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> um, let me ask you this: I'm turning the tables. What is your opinion of Mad? What do you think that they should do, or is it over? Or is it, do you think they're they're fooling? Yeah, well, or I, I was I was going to ask you that as well, but okay. um, I can get my opinion. Yeah, I mean too. print, print, you know, print, tough. Okay, print is dead. Yeah, and you know, people have asked me before, like, would you want to do a new Jim magazine, like Greg Met? And I'm like, not really. Like, what I would prefer doing is uh, doing the format in short animated videos. Yeah. You know, get it, getting people to uh, do the likenesses, animate them, getting voice actors, because that's the only way you, you know, people are going to watch them. You know. Yeah. <laughs> Well, to answer your question in reverse, since I asked it, <laughs> um, yeah, it, it's kind of funny. It's like Mad for the last thirty years has been kind of just like stillborn in a certain respect. You know, it's like um, I always say that Mad really wasn't Mad after Feldstein retired, but some people they go all the way to when Gaines passed away in '92. So fine, eighty-five to ninety-two well, I go, or whatever. I go all the way earlier from when I was working at Crack. I thought they were pretty. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, so I, I which is been a little biased, yeah, because I mean, you know, already, already you got your Fakara in there who came from Cracked, even though he didn't want to admit it. But uh, you know, so <laughs> Feldstein at least was like a link to the beginning, you know. And it's yeah. like, yeah, I guess Nick Meglin was there at the beginning too, but he wasn't an editor; he was like office boy or something. So I mean, <laughs> Feldstein was an editor from the beginning, and that's what I'm kind of yeah. going on. And it's like when he retired in '84, '85, whenever he did you know and ironically Sproul yeah. retired from Cracked at the same time it was kind of an right. end of an era you know right at the same time I didn't know that but um, but some, you know, it's funny Feldstein said in an interview he says we need to do something with this we need to expand into movies and TV and do other yeah. things and Gaines really didn't want to do anything of course then they did that awful up the Academy movie and then that kind of killed everything you know sure. And then I think things like Mad TV and the Mad Cartoon Show came way later after Gaines was gone, you know, but right. it's kind of like almost too little too late. And, you know, Mad and even Cracked, well, not Cracked, Cracked actually held its own, uh, but Mad over the years is just increasingly just 
geared itself to a younger and younger audience. I mean, that's what I never got. It's like, when I was a kid, they'd do parodies of Death Wish, you know, R-rated movies, you know, Godfather, and, you know... Uh, yeah, and it's like, well, I don't know if I'll see that movie anytime soon, but I'll read the parody, and then someday I might see the movie. And now it's like, every issue is, let's parody Aquaman. Oh, let's parody uh, Avengers. Let's parody this other superhero movie. And it's like, First of all, they're they're parodies already of what a movie is, and it's like, you know, they don't do like parodies of like hidden figures or the imitation game or something like that. You know, right. you know it's like why not? You know, it's like you know, I, I've always felt since you know probably eighties, maybe even earlier. They, you know, they wrote down yeah. to their to their audience, whereas that was the appeal when I was a little kid. Is they they didn't write down to yeah. You know, and and if there was something you didn't understand, you found out about it years later. Sometimes right. you'd be like, "Oh, that's what that was about." You know? <laughs> and that's what that's what I did with with crack yeah. as well. I didn't I didn't want to write down to kids because yeah. they're a lot smarter than you think. Yeah, and so it's been kind of a downward. Maybe not spot. anymore, but. Well, <laughs> yeah, until the millennials came along. Whoops, and that's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Damn kids. Um, but, you know, I don't know. I have two minds about it. I mean, of course I want Mad to continue. I want Crack to continue, but it's just all nostalgia. In reality, I think, well, it hasn't really been that good for the last 30 years. Yeah. Nobody really remembers that it's out, you know. It's like, now that, it's kind of funny, now that uh, Mad's kind of changing whatever they're doing. I don't know if they're completely going away or going reprint only. I don't know, but let's say they're going reprint only, okay, except for a cover. Um... So that pretty much kills it, you know, so nobody can buy it, so it just helps to kill it more. And uh, so people are coming well, out I mean, of the... It's good to keep the classic material in print. Yeah, know? but I mean, people, people are coming out of the woodwork and now wanting to subscribe to it, and they're wanting to subscribe to Cracked, not even knowing that that's been gone for over a decade, you know, and it's like, <laughs> and it's like where are you guys? It's like when Mad goes away, it's like they go, oh, you know... There's this big outpouring of emotion, like, oh, Matt's going away. It's like, yeah. well, well, where were you? Why weren't you buying it? Yeah. Oh, it's too no, expensive. Like you know, yeah, I want it to be 35 cents still. It's it. like, yeah. well, a uh, gallon of milk used to be 35 cents. It ain't either. You know, it's like everything's gone up. As you as your wages, buy a 5.99 Matt, or if you're cheapskate, get a subscription. You can still get it for like a buck an issue, but you know, ooh, you know. Uh, it also cracks me up when people say, "Oh well, you know, mad." I remember when it wasn't so liberal leaning, and it's like, when, when was that? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you got conservative, buddy. You know, <laughs> it's like, oh man, those Nixon gags. Yeah, I know. It's like, oh, they never made fun of a, a president like Trump before. Uh, I remember some really harsh stuff against Nixon and Reagan and Clinton and uh, Obama. You know, it's like... Yeah. Jimmy Carter, they all got it. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, well. I don't know. They didn't lean on Kennedy much. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, they did. Actually, uh, my friend Lee, who's a sponsor of Lee's Comics, um, he uh, he was telling me this. It's like... They kind of secretly thought that Nixon was going to win because if you look at that issue, and he's correct about oh, this, sure, yeah. the actual real cover that has the indicia and everything or whatever, uh, that's the, because both sides are the front side, the actual real cover is the Nixon side. 
because right. I think they just assumed he'd win, you know, because yeah. Eisenhower's so in there, everything is great. All that televised debate they had there, where yeah. all sweaty and everything. Yeah. <laughs> and I think the debate probably happened while that issue was going to print, so they, sure. you know, they're going to yeah. And also, it's a flip cover, so it really doesn't matter which one's real, but it's just funny that the r- real cover actually was the Nixon cover, you know. Right. Anyway. Well, I was reading a, a, an amusing Kennedy parody and crack. Uh, mm-hmm. That was uh, there was pretty mocking of him being you know rich Massachusetts kid and everything, and I looked at the cover date and it would have been out like right after he died you know so I was like yeah. that yeah. diamond cracked. <laughs> well, I do talk about that. I, I talk about the articles that were published posthumously, and then the funniest one is where they take uh, Kennedy and they kind of put a goatee on and glasses to make him kind of. Yeah. A yeah, beatnik, and it was like, oh, come on. You know, yeah, I was I like, that was a ward one, right? Yes. You know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so. That's funny. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, maybe, you know, with the death of Mad, this is a good time for our books to come out. Yeah. There's a, a clamor for yeah. classic well, books. Mag. Books seem to still work. I mean, I think it's because they have a longer shelf life, and right. so it gives you time to promote. And but you know, the weird thing about magazines is, is like, I go, how come there's like twelve needlepoint magazines? You know, you go into the yeah. magazine stores that still exist, and it's like yeah. you'll see like crocheting and you know books right. about like every subject. And there's like twenty music magazines, and it's like. There's no humor magazines except maybe cartoons. That's really about the only thing. And uh, yeah, that's kind of sparse. Yeah, <laughs> that wasn't really funny back in the day, and still, it's not very funny. It's just kind of cutesy poo cartoons with cars in them. And uh, this other guy does this magazine called The Creeps, which is a total rip on Creepy, but uh-huh. he does it well. And I guess these—they've yep. done at least twenty issues, so I guess it sells. But it's like. Why do those sell in Mad Cant or Crack Cant or Crazy Cant? Although I did hear Marvel's going to put out a new issue of Crazy. I don't know if it's going to be any good, but, you know. Eh, yeah. Well, it looks like it's going to be, like, superhero humor yeah. as opposed to, and, you know. And they're supposed yeah. to put out their own best of, which I'm I'm looking forward to more. As, and I'm so sorry, that, they're what? They're putting out a best of of the old Crazy. Oh, yeah. So it's like I'm looking forward to that more. God so, bless him. Yeah. <laughs> because that has like the, it's like the best of Paul Lakin. But, you know, they might be too squeamish to put Casper the Dead Baby. It's like, please put it in there. Please, 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 please. <laughs> anyway, times change. <laughs> anyway, uh, still answering the question. So I have a Warren Kramer book who, if you oh, don't know. Oh, great. Excellent. Okay, you know who Warren Kramer is. Most people sure, don't. Are you covering his horror stuff, too? Yes, everything. His pulp stuff. Uh, so it's Casper and Richie Rich stuff, of course. Yeah, I've, I've recolored a bunch of his horror covers. Yeah, I've seen that, so I'm like, cool. Yeah. yeah. But I have I have complete cooperation with the family, which was oh, great. like with Norma Martin, kind of a blessing and a curse, if you know what I mean. Because <laughs> um, sure. they want it perfect, and I get it. It's their dad, yeah. and I go, okay. But it 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 makes for long lead times because they gotta look yeah. over everything, Go you know. Forth, yeah. yeah. Uh, so. Are you doing, uh, is there gonna be any color in the book? Uh, trying. I can't guarantee it, but, uh, most of the, you, most of the stuff's in black and white. Color, there's what? a lot of color cover sketches of, of his, you know, like, 
That's well, true. Well, that's well, true. No, yeah, but the, a lot of the and original the artwork's in black and white too. So yeah, I, yeah. So, but, but I mean, there's like you know, there, there's just like these really nice color pencil yeah. uh, sketches of the covers before he did them and stuff that are really right. nice that are out there and high res. Yes, and they are in the book, but yeah, I think so far they're in black and white. But I can try, right. you know. Uh, that one's with a different publisher, so there might be a little more flexibility. Mm-hmm. So um, because. Uh, I caught the with my Disney book. Here's a positive thing in the Disney book. With my Disney book, I caught the eye of the guy who publishes Theme Park Press, who does a bunch of Disney books, and he asked me if I had another Disney book idea, and I really didn't uh, for now. I mean, I might change my mind in the future, but I said, well, I want to do this Warren Kramer book, and I typically would send it over to Bear Manor like everything else, but I can give you first crack at it. And he says, okay. So uh, he has developed another line called Pulp uh, Hero Press, I believe is what the name of it is. And so it's coming out under that. And it is it has been turned in, but I have not seen the proofs back or anything. So it's and now, did you have any dealings with the Harvey family about it? Not for that book, um, yeah. because it, yeah, there is still a rift that will probably never be resolved about, and it's all about who created Richie Rich, and the Harvey fam- <laughs> the Harvey family admittedly will not like this book because it gives Warren Kramer full credit because it's with cooperation with the Kramer family. Uh, sure. The one that's more open-ended is my Harvey Comics Companion, which came out about three years ago. And I purposely left it ambiguous, giving well, everyone the, giving everyone their fair say, saying, I created Richie. No, I created No, I created You know, it's like, everybody created Richie Rich, you know. It's like, <laughs> but, you know, it's like, uh, you know, I would love to interview them, but, you know, there's always, like, this conflict of interest. Oh, I can't do this and that and the other. I, yeah. I don't want to go into too much detail about that, but, sure. you know, it's like, uh, so I'm doing my book, and, you know, it's like it's not their book. If they wanted to do their version of the book, I'd be happy to help them, or they can issue their own. That's how I see it, right. you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, then the fourth book, which is still kind of in writing, and I'm working with Victoria Biggers, who's the daughter of Buck Biggers, uh, a te- total television scrapbook. And it's kind, it's kind of an updating of the old book, but I decided to do a completely different book because originally I was just going to update the old one because it's 10 years old. And then I said, well, why do that? Just do a different book. So I'm doing a different book. And it, it, it has like one page because there's a few errors as in all my books. <clears throat> there's errors here and there. Um, but it just corrects couple of the errors that were in the other book, but in general, it's all brand new stuff uh, because it's a scrapbook. Well, by virtue of the title, yeah, it yeah. have a lot more artwork. And it has a lot more artwork. I got a lot of, and this is courtesy of Heritage Auctions, but I think they put it up there on purpose for people to use. Uh, underdog artwork that was for the Gold Key Comics and Charleston oh, Comics and uh, things like that. Uh, I'm in contact with this other guy and uh, forgive me, I'm not thinking of his name. Oh, Bill Smith. Yeah, and he's 
worked with <clears throat> the Macy's Thanksgiving Parade and other balloons for wow, for years. For years, yes. And he has all the inside scoop. Uh, he wrote some material for the book, gave me some really good behind-the-scenes pictures of the underdog balloon and all the information about it and everything like that. Uh, and uh, just a wealth of information that wasn't in the other book. The other book just kind of said, yeah, there's an underdog balloon, here's a picture of it. You know, it's like, so... <laughs> And uh, the daughter, uh, Victoria Biggers, she found a scrapbook after Buck Biggers passed away that had all this stuff that he didn't cover when I talked to him and interviewed him because, you know, it's like we just didn't. And so, you know, there's lots of artwork in that. And so she's scanning right. all that. And so, yeah, it's Fantastic. so it's a, it's a bit picture heavy more than text heavy, but that's designed to be that's, that way. It's a visual thing. Eh? Yeah, I did do one interview because there's one guy. This is an error I made uh, named uh, Harvey Siegel. Uh, in the original book, I claimed he was dead. <laughs> and well it was a situation like Paul Lincoln I thought he was dead and it's like I found out nope he was alive I'm not sure if he's well, alive now, now. I'm not sure if he's alive now because I interviewed him five years ago but got the interview down he gave me a great insight of working in uh, uh, Gamma in Mexico City mm -hmm. and uh, so that interview is going to be published for the first time in this book and Super. corrects a lot of information that was uh, incorrect in, uh, I hate to say, Keith Scott's Rocky and Bullwinkle show and Daryl Van Sitter's uh, Jay Ward book, but, you know, hey, he was there and they did an interview, so it's like, um, and it, but it could be a situation, to be honest, to be fair to them, uh, like everything else, like the Richie Rich thing, it's a he said, she said, but at least this is his take on it, it's like, it wasn't, you know, such a bad place to work, you know, and falling apart and everything like the other books imply, but hey, you know. <laughs> <laughs> But you could say, you know, you, you could have two people's opinions about Cracked Magazine, and I think we talked about it without naming names, too. Your opinion of Cracked was much different than, say, another person's opinion of Cracked, you know, that was working at the same time. Uh, so, you know, there you go. It's it's just perception on everything, so. Sure. And I think that's everything, and then I plan to take a, a nap, I think, after that. <laughs> so... Well, it's a well-earned nap. Oh, I'm doing these podcasts, too, <laughs> and I'm losing my voice doing one. So, anyway. <laughs> yeah. But, um... All right, well, but, well but I don't know how long your podcasts usually go, but we, well, we've got a full hour and 20 minutes worth, I think. Yeah, that's here. pretty good. Uh, let me get a sip of water here. And the, ah, then I can talk a little bit longer. I didn't know I was doing all the talking. Um, anyway, um... So that's pretty much it for me, what I'm doing now. I, I, you know, for future, yeah, I'd like to continue doing the podcast for a while. It's kind of an interesting idea. Um, right, well, you got your second season. Congratulations. Yeah, thank that's you. That's pretty cool. And I like oh, you. And I, I gotta, oh, I got to mention, too, yes. I noticed your snazzy new logo for that podcast. Oh, yeah. I wonder who designed that. Who designed that? <laughs> <laughs> <'Cause>. <laughs> 
I had this crummy old uh, new wavy, new agey light bulb logo that I'd used for years, and my friend Lee of Lee's Comics, another plug in the show, said you need to update that logo. You know, and it's like, why? I like that logo. He says, no, you need to update. It. I go, fine, I'll do it for the second season. So he came up with some designs, and then I handed them off to you. And yes, you designed something really fantastical. It almost remind me, and I didn't tell you this. It almost reminds me of like some R. Crumb kind of design thing or something. Yeah, what they have like apex. Crumb? Yeah, yeah, that type of deal. Yeah, with the little yeah, rays of light coming out of it. I don't know. It's it kind of gasp or something. Yeah, I didn't even think of that, but yeah, yeah maybe that was back to my. And so I passed I it by to Lee my... and to my girlfriend, and they both gave it the big thumbs up, and so that's Ugh. what. Yeah. So I was I was thinking of putting a crack in the light bulb. <laughs> Uh, no. <laughs> it's not cracked. Maybe on, uh, well, we're not putting it out in the book, but if we did put it on the book, you'd put a little crack on it. But anyway. Hey, actually, it's not too late. I can put a logo in there. You can put the logo idea. on there, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But put, you could put a little crack on that one. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, I like you, you know, you, you go like, well, magazine editing i mean i you and i both did it i did a fanzine you did cracked you know it's like and it's like it's kind of like been there done that and it's like i want to do something because i got a degree in broadcasting and i really wanted to make films and videos and cartoons and all sorts of things in my life and it's like since print is almost dead and i did work in the real newspaper industry i worked for the san francisco chronicle and i worked for a number of other newspapers and magazines and stuff it's like Eh, trying to move into the audio and maybe video later, you know, I did a little video right. clip for the promotion on the Kickstarter you know, I'd like to do more of those type of things, you know, it's just t- time and editing, that's the whole thing, you know yeah, that's true Yeah. so, we'll see, but that's where I'm at so great so so, well, why don't we wrap it up and right. uh, b- before we go we should uh, mention again that this episode was brought to you by Lee's Comics. Yes. And I didn't tell you to say this, but I was going to say this on the end of the show. Um, I have some music that was uh, actually on an episode of last season uh, with my good friend uh, Andrew Goldfarb, who is the Slow Poisoner. He tours around the country, and he writes little nifty songs. So I'm using... I asked him, can I use some of your songs as a theme song so it's a little more upbeat and, uh, and I have something to open and close the show with. Right, so yeah, right I'm now. using a couple of his songs for this season and uh, I don't have the titles in front of me so I'll have to give title mention in the next episode but uh, I'm giving Andrew Goldfarb at least credit for coming up with these wonderful tunes. So Nice. Can't wait to hear them. Alright. And I guess that's about it. <laughs> Well, let's remind people about that Kickstarter because it's only a couple more days. Yes. And um, uh, do you do you have a website? I do, um, which I'm desperately trying. I might talk to you offline about this. I'm desperately trying to update because <laughs> it's a little. Uh, oh but yeah, I do that stuff. Yes, it's funideas.50webs.com. <laughs> And 50 is 5-0, so it's one of those freebie sites. Uh, and then I have harveycomics.50webs.com. Um, 
and but you can find me on uh, such interesting places as Wikipedia, IMDb, Facebook, and uh, even on Amazon. I have an author page on there. So oh, great. So yeah, we should probably mention too. There is a really good uh, crack fan page on uh, on Facebook. It's pretty fun, and it's got a few of the editors and publishers on there that comment regularly and a lot of cool arts posted. Yes, and I I got suckered into publishing uh, all the specials and annuals covers during this calendar year, (laughs) and I will be happy when it's 2020 and I am done. (laughs) Uh, there is actually, you know, even though uh, well, one, you're only one the collector's oh, edition, you can still get a lot of other titles or most right, of Right. I, I had an argument that there's not enough to go this whole year, and it's like, no, there's enough to go this whole year. <laughs> and uh, we're in Monster Party. We're almost done, and then the next will be. I can preview it here. Uh, Party Pack and uh, uh, Spaced Out, and you know all those wonderful ones. So they're coming up. Super. Yeah, super eventually, yeah. <laughs> Did you already do Giant? Haven't done Giant yet, because uh, I, I'm doing all the ones that start with Cracked in the title, so we're in Cracked uh, Monster Party. They are alphabetical, gotcha, so, gotcha. so at the end it'll be Extra Special Cracked and Giant Cracked and King Size Cracked and uh, Filter Tip Cracked and whatever. I don't know. <laughs> all these goofy titles. Uh all right, well, it's been great talking with you, and uh, I hope you didn't mind uh, having, putting yourself in the role of the interviewee. No, I've done, I've done it before on other podcasts, just not my own, <laughs> but that's okay. Right. This is that all free very form. interesting. Yes. Well, thank you very much. You've had a fun career, and it sure ain't over yet. Hopefully not, yeah. And uh, <laughs> same with you. I, I enjoy your uh, neo-Charlton titles and everything else you do and I hope you keep doing all those types of things in the future oh yeah yeah people can actually that's a good segue again is that you can plug yourself people can check out all my stuff at simply mortodd.com alright sounds good okay alrighty well great talking with you great talking with you and until next time this is the fun ideas podcast and see you next week Thank you for listening, and thank you again, Mort Todd, for being my host, and I, the special guest. Episode number 38 will be coming soon. If you would like to comment and or be a guest on this podcast, please drop me a line at funideas.mark at gmail.com. You can become a Patreon of Fun Ideas Productions, and if everyone listening just contributed $1 a month, it would be a tremendous help. Also, subscribe to my YouTube channel. This has been the Fun Ideas Podcast. This is Mark Arnold speaking. This episode is copyright 2019, Fun Ideas Productions. And thank you very much, and have a good night. pills in the pink electric church the final flicker of your lewd jeweled blue
Bell. 